Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're going to be talking about some more Torchwood episodes and some gaming topics. Uh, today, we're going to talk about random shoes and out of time from the first season of Torchwood. Uh, so, Adam, what was your response to uh, to random shoes? Let's start with that one. Well, the easy comparison point for Doctor Who fans is Love and Monsters. I mean, that's uh, that's it's the the episode where you get to see kind of Torchwood a bit from the outside from some you know nerdy type character who's obsessed with uh you know and Love and Monsters with a Doctor and in this case with Torchwood. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, uh, I like the episode. I'm a sucker for the kind of episodes where you kind of see the main group from the outside a little bit. You know, I mean, well, like I said, Love and Monsters and Doctor Who, uh, uh, Jose Chung's from Outer Space on the X-Files would be another one. Mm. Uh, the episode of Community with the other study group, uh, those, those kind of things. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I had a slightly different reaction, both the first and the second time I saw it. Um, mm-hmm. my, my, so when I first saw this episode, I remember feeling like, oh, I'm not like, like suddenly we have to get invested in another character. Like it was and it was my same reaction to Love and Monsters. You know, I, I really at that moment when, when I first saw that episode, I really wanted to see the doctor. I didn't want to see this this new guy that I didn't care about. And I felt mm-hmm. the same way with Random Shoes. But with Random Shoes which I think was different for me than Love and Monsters, is eventually Eugene won me over, and the story of the characters won me over. So that yeah. by the end of the episode, I was invested in what was going on. I still thought it was kind of a weird detour from the, <laughs> the, the, the Torchwood <laughs> thing. Um, but, uh, and, and I have similar but different feelings to Out of Time. But, but, I, but, but, I, but it won me over by the end, and, and I think a lot of it had to do with Eugene and his friends and... And um, and just the you know just the 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 whole idea of what was going on with him, uh, yeah. which which at first it was sort of like a I don't know like a touched by the angel type episode, and then it and then it and then it <laughs> you know they get a, a, a more a more sciency explanation I suppose not sciency but at least a a more grounded explanation pseudo sciency yeah, yeah pseudo sciency <laughs> explanation a non theistic explanation for why non theistic uh, yeah um, but. It, uh... Uh, because I think Torchwood definitely has the the cosmology of Torchwood is definitely non-theistic up to this point. Um, yeah, you know, you know, yeah, uh, very much so, very and, much so. And uh, yeah, so so that was that was uh, my my initial reaction to it. Um, yeah, but, this was definitely more successful than Love and Monsters. I I have some affection for Love and Monsters, but man, it really fell about fell apart well, by the end. You know, I it's mean. funny. A lot of people hate <laughs> the monster from the end of it. I actually really liked that monster. I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed the villain in the end. I didn't like the lead up to him. I I I'm okay with the monster. It's just the ending and just everything, and it's just I don't know. It the, just. The it, girlfriend it, thing at the end didn't uh, yeah, <laughs> didn't do it just, for you. No, it's just it's just weird, but uh, <laughs> which I guess is okay. But I, uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I I I I think this episode did a better job. Like I said, it got you invested in the character. It kind of paid off, and it yeah, I was like yeah, that was uh you know, it was it was genuinely a little bit heartwarming. If so, which, you know, I guess the show can do once in a while. Well, no, I mean, you know, like it was a real Eugene. He was he was nerdy, but he felt like a real person. And he had a mother who loved him and he had a father. He had a complex father situation. And and he had he had, you know, uh, the situation with his friends, which, you know, again, they did something kind of shady. Uh, one of them was a little bit of a jerk, but the other one genuinely had affection for. I don't know something about the overall mix of that work for me um i just felt yeah. like it would have been better if they had planted him earlier in the season as a kid like all that stuff they show him doing it's one of my pet peeves with with some of the doctor who episodes too where they like the the um uh the river song when they introduce her um her 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 earlier incarnation mm. as, um you know and 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 they just sort of planted at the start of the episode where you know you're supposed to just accept her as is the best friend of um of uh, uh, Amy Pond, uh, Amy Pond, and uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was sloppy. <laughs> and so th- this was sort of a similar thing where they just kind of write him in, like, oh, he's been doing this the whole time at the start. And I feel yeah. like 
this is something they should have been able to anticipate and write him in, like just like on even just one or two nothing moments in earlier episodes. Yeah, like I mean, the thing is, they could have shot them at the same time. They could have just had him, you know, they could have basically just inserted some of those episodes into a couple of the earlier ones, just like a little scene of just oh, there yeah. he is. I mean, it's a but, little, and, and maybe it's prohibitively expensive because of logistics for them to do that, and that's why they couldn't. But I just feel like it would have paid off so much as a viewer to, to yeah. say, "Oh, that guy that was was, but you know, you know, I remember him." Um, you know that yeah well, because the thing is they, they do shoot things out of sequence a lot in seasons like going back to that you know back to the Amy Ponder of Doctor Who the first season with her the first episode is actually the last one they shot because it has a lot of the same locations as the last episode so mm-hmm. you know they they don't need to film things in order they could have hired you know when this guy was filming this episode they and everyone was around they could have they could have said, hey, let's do some scenes we can insert in, you know, one of these other ones but uh, where he randomly shows up. So it, it was in, it, I, I don't know. I think logistically they could have done it. They just did and it. It, but, it didn't uh, kill the episode. It wasn't as bad as the River no. Song thing. It's just I felt like it yeah. would have been a good touch. And also they, 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 because they kind of, you know, you, you sort of had the episode with Susie where she came back. I thought, you know, it would be cool if they if they if they had planted something like this again that comes back later in the season um but uh but yeah so i don't know i again i agree with you i think it's a lot like love and monsters um Mm -hmm. and uh and it's also it's and and, you know for a couple of reasons the main character is nerdy like you said and it's also like a a doctor light episode or a torchwood light episode um yeah and uh and yeah so uh what did you think of the um of of the technology in the uh of, of the eye in the <laughs> I, I don't know that was uh i don't know that that for me didn't do a whole lot i thought it was just kind of them using magic and kind of pretending it was an alien thing uh-huh. which yeah you know, i i you know it, it worked for the story but i it's nothing uh <laughs> i it's like okay it's an eye but you have it you see back over your whole life mm-hmm. and whatever i'm like i don't understand i'm like what how, how would the alien use that in day-to-day life if that was his eye and i don't it just well, it, it felt it felt weird it almost felt like another show to me and and torchwood yeah. definitely can you know expands the boundaries of that stuff beyond doctor who but something about this episode really felt like a, it felt like a good episode of another show but it felt like yeah. another show which is i think why i had this instinctual reaction when i first saw it uh where i I was like, "Why are you making me get into these other characters all of a sudden?" And then, <laughs> and then, it, and then I warmed up to it. It was like changing channels. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. The, uh, the I, I think the only the, the only the only perplexing thing about the, the, the this episode to me, I don't remember the character's name, but the friend who worked in the video store. Um, uh, the fr- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name, but but he he, he kind of looked like a like you know he might have been into rock or heavy metal and he worked in a video store and he was a little bit of a jerk but like the way he behaved um when when um when uh when gwen first goes in there to talk to him was yeah. uh was really weird <laughs> like it, yeah <laughs> like, like, like hey baby and just like like is like i know that he's He's trying to to hide, like he's maybe worried about his, you know, his involvement with what happened with uh, with Eugene, but that just seems like a really weird thing to do and a really weird way to do it. Um, yeah, that uh, that was that was and, an odd characterization there for sure. And then like, and just the idea of like, if you if you if you because and again we're gonna spoil stuff, but basically like the friends aren't they didn't kill Eugene or anything, but they, they kind of screwed him over with the, by trying to take the eyeball from him and, and, and doing the whole thing with the bids. And then Eugene runs away and he gets hit by a car. So they're not like directly responsible for his death at the start of the episode, but, but they're definitely, you know, they're, they're, they were, they, they did some shady things, and I would imagine even the well, things with they the were, they were, were going to try and steal his eye that was yeah. worth thousands yeah. of dollars, so they could, uh, yeah, so, the, <laughs> they, so, so they could be in legal trouble, and it's definitely morally shady. Um, yeah, but, but if you're worried about that stuff coming to light, why would you, 
why would you deflect it by pointing out what a loser Eugene? That seems like a yeah, you know, and pretending you don't, you don't like he's acting like he doesn't even know him. Like she's gonna find out if she asks three people that that are connected to him. <laughs> so, you know, it, it just seemed it just seemed like an odd way to behave. The other friend seemed a lot more believable to me than that guy. I agree. Um, I agree. The other friend was was handled pretty well. I, uh, you know, and I, I got the impression he didn't quite. He did, I, and I don't think he quite knew what the other guy was going to do at the diner either. So, you know, I, I can see, you know, he kind of got caught up in the whole situation. But well, and, and and in fairness, they initially went in just planning to buy it from him dirt cheap by saying, "Hey, there were no bids," and then and then things sort of escalated from there. I think so. I don't I don't even know if the the shady guy like went in with. The, the aim of, of of stealing it from him so much. That's true. Him out of he, he he did on a whim when he refused to sell it cheap. Because uh, it was it was a very disorganized robber. Like you know they they, they end up like <laughs> you know putting banana milkshake down his throat and and like and they get yeah. kicked out by the waitress. So it's such it's such a poorly executed robbery. The 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 server doesn't even recognize it as a robbery. She just thinks that they're having like a uh you know some kind of argument or fight. That, <laughs> So. <laughs> and of course, the whole the whole scam to like get this thing starts merely because they're putting bids in to make him feel better. Yeah, that's like the other thing too. Yeah. It's like, hey, let's help our friend out, make him feel better. We'll throw a couple small bids in, and then, <laughs> and then somehow it it revolves into let's rip <laughs> off our friend. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing too. It's like they didn't need to tell him too that hey yeah there really was this huge bid then we put in five dollars more because we got greedy and that well, well and also you know. they're still planning on selling it down the road like they're going to take it and they're going to so they, they they're confident they can get another bidder right or they can get the same guy to to sell it yeah. to them so wouldn't it just be it would be a lot easier and a lot less illegal to just come clean with them and then offer to split it three ways when they say, you know what I mean? Um, but. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I don't know. The whole thing was, uh, was, was not well organized on their part. I'll say that much. But, uh. yeah. but yeah, so that, so that was Random Shoes, which, you know, I think was, I think was a, you know, like you, I, 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 I do think it was a good episode, but I think it was, um, I don't know, it was a weird Torchwood episode, and I feel like you yeah. have to warm up to it. I feel I feel shows like this should have those out of nowhere episodes. I mean, like you know, we like I said that the whole explanation for the eye thing could have been better. As you know, he said that didn't nothing about the eye made a whole lot of sense. But but on the whole, I I, I think it's good for a show like this to kind of jump out in a weird direction. No, uh, and I think it, and by then. the end it did win me over. Um, and the second time I watched it for this, I thought that. Uh, um, you know, I had already been one over the first time, so I didn't have the same reaction, and I enjoyed the episode a lot more. So the first mm-hmm. time I saw this, I remember not liking it quite as much because I wasn't warmed up until midway through at least. And this time, I sort of wasn't as hung up on that, and I just enjoyed the episode for what it was. Um, yeah. But you have to yeah. kind of make that mental break from this is different from the previous episode somehow. You know, or you're not, <laughs> you you're not follow... Like, like... Gwen is important to this episode, but the other characters from Torchwood really are kind of in the background. Um, and even her her stuff is all, you know, about her interactions with Eugene. So, um, But yeah, so I don't know. But that brings us to Out of Time, which is an interesting episode. It's one where people come from the 50s uh, via a plane. Uh, there's sort of like a, an ace... Uh, pilot, uh, what's her character's name? Um, uh, let's find it here. Uh, Diane, I think Diane. Diane, yeah, I'm sorry. I had that no, that's okay. That's okay. I, I, I should say I'm coming off uh, four days of gaming, <laughs> so my brain is total mush. And I know Adam just is dealing with some IT things, and so I think both of us are a little behind the ball today on on name recollection. <laughs> yes. But uh, but 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 Diane is like an ace pilot, and she she's uh she's got a guy and a young woman with her, and they they go through. I think they called it a, a, a transcendental portal. Was the uh, was the the hand wavy explanation? They basically yeah, find a portal through time on accident in the clouds, and and they arrive in the present. And Torchwood is there to meet them. And it's it's really just an episode where they they're just helping these people adjust to it, it, it's there's, yeah. there's not a whole lot of 
you know, conflict or the stakes seem very low at the outset of the episode. So it doesn't, it, it's a much more of a, of a character development, uh, dramatically driven episode rather than a sort of, you know, aliens are threatening to kill us type of episode. Yeah. No, it's, a uh, you know, Jack, uh, talks to Tosh at one point in the middle and kind of addresses that point. It's like, wow, there's no crisis or no enemy to defeat. It's just, we have these three people and we're responsible for them now. And that, that kind of underlined it. But, uh, you know, it was kind of, I guess it was kind of a way of saying, hey, there isn't, it was kind of a way of letting the audience know, there isn't going to be some, like, third act twist yeah. where it turns out, these really weren't travelers from the past, they're really aliens and fin- or something, there's going to be nothing well, like that, it just is a character episode. Well, and I have to say, that normally that sort of dialogue would, would, would irritate me, because I would feel like the writer is speaking to me too directly, <laughs> but with this episode, the first time I saw it, I remember that is, I think, what sold me on the episode when he said that. Uh-huh. Um, so I think it was a needed line, at least for me as a viewer. I think it helped me yeah. to accept the premise. It was because I mean the thing is, it, it was you know Jack really talking to the audience, but on the other hand, it felt like him genuinely talking to Tosh at the same yeah. moment. So it was that kind of line done right. Yeah. But it, uh, but yeah, I, one one thing I, you know, since we talked about the the previous episode, remind us of Love and Monsters. I the episode that jumped to my mind is from another show, which is uh, I thought of the first season Star Trek Next Generation episode where they find the three people frozen, like you know, from the twentieth century that they uh, they defrost that were in a uh, in suspension and uh unfreeze them and have to help them adjust to the uh the star trek era do, do you know that episode um i guess not oh no hold on no i just ran into some technical difficulties i just wanted to make sure oh, we're recording oops. Uh, um, uh, no skype we do this on skype and skype just tried to download something which seemed a little bit strange to me um hmm. we'll continue and hopefully, hopefully we'll be able okay. to support this. Okay. So, so you were saying this reminded you of one of the early Star Trek episodes, and then I, I got yeah, well, Star Trek: The Next Generation to clarify. And speaking of being on the ball, I should have looked up the name of this episode, but mm-hmm. I didn't. But uh, I, uh, but yeah, there's just this one where they they find this kind of satellite floating around, and it's got these three people who got put in cryogenic suspension during the 20th century uh, that all had like medical problems. Uh, and they're all things that are easily fixed on Star Trek. So they they defrost them and bring them back and they have to get used to living 500 years in the future. Well, but, it wouldn't surprise me if that episode was a direct influence on this one. Um, yeah, and this, it, was, this was a better... The, the Torchwood episode was much, much better than well, the this, first season. This one, this one had, one. I think, kind of like Random Shoes. It had sort of heart and warmth to it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and it was it was like you know it, it felt very these characters felt like very plausible people to me from the 1950s. Uh, yeah, you know, just based on you know my interactions with people who lived through the, the 50s, uh, it just it just seemed like uh, like you know it, it, they seemed like real people. Um, yeah, it seemed like the real 50s, not any kind of cliche of the 50s. They were actually from the early 50s. And I, and I, I, li- I like little historical touches, too. Like, they came from 1953, which, as one of them said when they went to the supermarket, wow, we're, we're just coming off war rationing, you know, because it's like bringing up the fact that, you know, I mean, a lot of Americans don't really think about it, but, you know, even eight years after the war, people in Britain were still on rationing because, you know, they got hit so hard in the yeah. war. And and all the like, you know, all the little touches of like the things that are just different from not him not being able to smoke a pipe in the in the yeah. pub. To, so for some reason, Diane's perfectly capable of smoking a cigarette in the restaurant. Um, and, uh, you know, to him reacting to like the scantily clad woman on the on the magazine cover and and them realizing, oh, movies are now in boxes and you can watch them on a TV. Um, yeah, know, that 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 was, uh, you know, those, those little touches I thought were nice. I thought it was also interesting that the, you know, number one, this to me is a very memorable episode of Torchwood. This is one of the few episodes that has really stuck with me over the all four seasons. Um, and I think it's because of the final scene with Jack in the car with, um, uh, what's his name? John Ellis, I think is the name of the character. Um, yeah. John Ellis. Yeah. Uh, when they're, when they're in the, in the car together and you know, it's an interesting use of Jack's death resistance power 
where he yeah. just basically is able to sit there with a guy who's going to, and again, spoiler if you haven't seen the episode, but a guy who's going to try to kill himself by, uh, by car exhaust, he's able to sit there and sort of, you know, care, you know, help, help, uh, help be there with him, uh, you know, for the, you know, uh, the whole process. And, and it's kind of like a touching scene. And it's not, and, and with Jack Harkness' character, they could have easily said, we're going to make this like a romantic thing between him and this guy or something, <laughs> because that would fit the character. But instead, they made it yeah. much more platonic, which I think was even more interesting. Um, do you know what I mean? It, yeah, it, it was the right way to go in yeah. this case, I think. And, and, uh... and every character is sort of paired up, with, with except for... Except for Tosh, um, every character except <laughs> yeah, for, for Tosh, Tosh gets a buddy, um, which we can get into. But um, <laughs> but uh, but all the other characters are paired up. So so Owen is paired up with the the pilot, and uh, and Gwen is paired up with the young woman, and 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 they all kind of are basically, I I think, confronting things about themselves and learning about things. You know, like like Gwen is sort of dealing with her love life via this woman and Mm -hmm. and owen is dealing with his love life you know through this woman and it's you know for him it's a pretty horrifying experience and (laughs) and i think maybe jack is possibly coming to terms with some things as well Mm. um uh but uh but i know i I like that i like that each each character is is paired up with somebody and i don't know it was an interesting episode yeah it was it was it was very well done i mean to uh to bring it back to the uh, the Star Trek episode, that Star Trek episode was terrible because it it just had such a you know it, it was first first season of Star Trek Next Generation, which is generally terrible. But well, it, it well, what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say, and that's the one with the, there was that overarching plot in that season, right? Where there was um, there was some kind of is that the one with the takeover? Um, there was uh, the, it, that's it, like that cabal it, that's. Do you, do, that, of aliens. Well, that th- that is in there. They, they don't really do it as an overarching plot. It just has that pop up for one episode, then they forget about it. But did uh, they? Yeah, I think they planted the seed earlier in the season at one point. I think they may was, have. It's been a long yeah, time I, since I watched. It's been a long time for me as well. But but think, it's that. I think the season. last I know time it's I watched I, the yeah, first it, first season yeah. of Star Trek all the way through was uh, it, was when it was airing. So my, yeah, my memory of that season is it's the most grungy. <laughs> of the star it, it looks the most dated too like if you go like yeah. i remember watch i remember i went back and watched it uh several years ago and and i remember thinking wow i, I definitely know this was this was made in the 80s um, yeah and there was a writer same, strike going on yeah. too at the time too so that uh really hurt the writing on the show <laughs> but uh but you were saying i'm sorry you were saying oh yeah i say on that show they Basically, it was it was the Star Trek characters at their worst, where they were all, you know, that because you know one of the issues with Next Generation is the humans are all just a little too perfect. Like, oh, we're we're past war and nobody drinks alcohol and blah blah blah. And it's like, basically, all all the characters on the the main cast just came off with these real patronizing jerks to like, you know, these normal human beings show up on the show, and it's like, oh, you know, they had. We, we don't understand your human problems. And my, my takeaway when I watched that episode was, wow, I, I don't relate to any any main cast character on this show at all. But, uh, mm. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can say, and I guess in this case, it was, it was, um, uh, it, it was a, I don't know, it, it, to me, it, it, with maybe the exception of Owen, it kind of made the other characters more, rela- it made Jack more relatable. And it made, yeah, um, it had the opposite yeah, effect. It made Gwen more <laughs> relatable. And even Owen was more relatable if, I don't know, I, I, I see, Owen's an interesting character in this, in this show because sometimes he really annoys me as a person and sometimes I find him very endearing. Um, uh-huh. And, uh, but I think he's possible, I, I know a lot of people like Owen, but I think he's one of my least favorite characters in the show. Um <laughs> The Owen plot line was the least successful of the three plot lines, I think. I because uh, I mean, yeah, it's just like okay, Owen's like, oh, I don't, I can't do this love thing. The next day, it's like, no, don't leave, and it's just, it's like, okay, come on, he, he's not eighteen, he shouldn't. Well, well the it, whole, it, the whole, I'm scared. 
the, yeah. the, that line that dial that was some of the i think in the, in the and it was still a fine scene if it was if, if it wasn't if i wasn't comparing yeah. it to everything else but of all the, of all the episode it felt like the weakest dialogue was was that exchange between it just and maybe it was out of necessity maybe you can't have that kind of a scene with owen without it being that way because it's an odd character but i i it just seemed like i don't know oh, i'm scared and oh, i'm so in love and uh, I yeah, know, it, was, it was it was a little. It didn't it didn't quite land as well as some of the other stuff. Um, it no, does become it important didn't. though. It's I think one of the more interesting things that develops with his character harkens back to this at a certain point. Okay, so, so well, that's I mean, good. Yeah, so it's not it's not it 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 it, pay, it pays dividends later in the series for sure. Okay, um, that 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 deals with one of my complaints that I was like, okay, well, it's this one in a gazillion chance of ever going through a portal and she's able to just get in a plane and go, hey, the weather looks similar. Oh, I'm going to fly up there and go back through a portal. No, no, no. It might, like, it might not. It might not resolve that concern that you have. Um, uh, it, it just, it just, it just, it just isn't thrown oh, into a vacuum. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's I, a... I mean, yeah, I, I, I was kind of going with the standpoint that, that my problem was, I mean, not, it wasn't just the fact you should go into a portal it was the fact that, you know, oh, well, that, that clears up that whole storyline. Mm. It's like, boom, we don't want this storyline around anymore. So, boom, let's have her go through a portal. But it's like if if there is lingering emotions or something, it's like, OK, at least they're not <laughs> they're not throwing yeah, I, the whole storyline away. By I don't know that. how I feel about her going through the portal. On the one hand, it, I guess it does sort of take it ties up the story uh, so that they don't have to bring her in as a recurring character, which maybe they weren't prepared to do. Um, yeah. But uh, it's it does seem like it, even for a character like her, who I mean, she is like a very sort of exploration oriented character who clearly likes to tread new ground. But going into a portal that could take you anywhere, including like a time that's like maybe has no oxygen or something like I, I would uh, or who knows, it might eject you into outer space or something like it seems like a really and again, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I just I just found myself doubting that decision it, yeah and it, it also didn't make a lot of sense because like you say she is a very exploration minded character and she brought up the fact she had no close friends or lovers back in her own time and it's like why is she so desperate to go through this portal it's like you know in six months she can have a flying license she's got a, a whole new world to explore that's yeah. completely new it's like why does she want to be stuck in 1953 as a woman again <laughs> well and i don't even know if she wanted to go to 1953 i think she wanted to continue exploring wherever this portal took well it's true but, yeah but but, yeah. but i just feel like it i don't know it seemed like it seemed like a caricature of of sort of an ace pilot type character jamie you know I mean? like i felt like you know it could have been a little like i don't know just a little more grounded and you know you can wait like a few months, like you said, to, mm -hmm. to get the the pilot. That's not if, if she spent that time in the war learning to fly. I don't think you know. I don't think that yeah. the that the training online was going to deter her from from her dream <laughs> of flying. You know, so you know, yeah, so, you know this this the, the you know option B suicidal portal. You know, maybe you know. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's just the one. It's the one part of the episode that I. I I, I wasn't a hundred percent sold on. Um, yeah, it's just the, if the show would like, I don't know. It just it just didn't quite sell me on that. But other than that, and it's kind of a shame that was the last plot line too. Like they wrap up with that conclusion, and like the other other conclusions were more effective. But and, uh, uh, and poor poor Toshiko, <laughs> poor she Toshiko. Doesn't, she doesn't get any uh, anybody's. I think I think in a way though it kind of like her character arc it sort of fits because she's um, I mean I don't want to spoil it for you but 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 you can kind of probably uh -huh. see that that's sort of developing as as a as, as it's a, a theme yeah a theme for her character <laughs> um, yeah so, I, I did feel it was in character for her not to have connected to anyone yeah. but it, like I said you still still for Tosh <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah so 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 I don't know um, but I, I I really did like that episode and uh, it was good I'd say I'd say one comment if if I were planning the season out I would have put I was I would have put those two episodes like not directly next to each other because it's like you've got kind of the two you know emotional kind of heartstring tugging episodes 
back to back and I was glad I didn't have to watch watch these episodes back to back on the same night. I was able mm. to space it out through the week, but it's like, man, it would have been watching both those episodes one right after yeah. the other would have been like, man. Well, I think they tried to tie like, them together like that because they are emotionally connected in a way like they feel mm-hmm. there's a similar mood to them and they're both kind of out of place, but um, yeah, I feel I just feel it would have been better to like, you know, put some spooky, scary episode between them just, to, the, you know, as a, as a palate cleanser between the two. The other thought I had, too, is the video store thing. This I was I was racking my brain to figure out like did we, like I, I this this episode came out when 2006, I think, is the air date. That sounds right. Uh, so December 2006. Did we still have video stores uh, at that time? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it might have been different in England, but I remember them vanishing pretty rapidly. Uh, mm, around two thousand five or so, right? Or am I mistaken? I well, let's see. I I, I don't know. I, I kind of remember them being around then. Let's see, two thousand six. Where was I? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was using all physical media back in 2006 okay so so maybe i I, maybe i was just out of date at the time (laughs) no i mean i i know i was definitely still renting things in 2004 i i guess no you know what no i do remember renting some things in 2009 there was still a blockbuster so Mm then so it's probably i just was curious because i couldn't remember if they were still a thing and if the if if the show was just using it as a convenient you know you know, thing that still wasn't really around anymore, or um, well, here's the thing: it wasn't actually. A, well, yeah. Oh, wait, you're talking about in the first episode, the yeah. video store. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was thinking when they bought the DVD in the second one. I'm like, oh, that was a grocery store, but uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say they were still around too. I mean, it, definitely independent ones were kind of like the the smaller fringer ones were. I don't know if that was an independent one. Though. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, they were I, still, I just, still it just got me thinking about it. No, because I mean, the, the last video store around here that I remember was one in Danvers that closed, I think, in 2011. Oh, 2012, yeah. maybe. But um, yeah, but I had I had a video store related thing in another show just to go off on a tangent this year. Because I've been watching Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. which is a prequel to Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad, I think, is set around 2006. So it's set before 2006. But I've been watching this show three seasons, and I completely start to forget it was a prequel. And then the, then like one of the characters went into a blockbuster. And I'm like, what the heck? What is there a blockbuster? I'm like, oh, that's right. It's 2002. <laughs> yeah, because Breaking Bad aired when? 2008? Was that the... Uh... Uh, I, I let's see. We're, we're getting into this chronology. It was either 2006 or 2008. Let's see. But I, I had a similar Bad. issue because I I saw Breaking Bad well after it aired. I, I I didn't watch it when it was on TV. I watched it um, I don't know a couple of years ago maybe, and oh 2008. And, you're correct. And yeah. and I remember I remember being a little bit confused because because it aired in 2008. I think the cell phones were a little different. And I forgot that it was made in 2008. And so, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, I, so little, so little time passes on that show that even the show goes for, for 2008 till 2013. Yeah. It's only like about a year and a half for the entire series. No, that's so what the, I'm talking the phone, about. Because, the old phones stick around for the whole show. Yeah. Cause you're watching an episode that I think is, is aired in 2013, but the, the, you know, they don't have iPhones or something like, I forget, you know, something like that. Yeah, they've still all got their flip phones all the way through the, the five years or six years of the series. But, um, but oh, five, five. But, uh, yeah, I, and like I said, so it was a similar, a similar thing with uh, Better Call Saul where there aren't, there aren't that many. I mean, I, I just got, I mean, obviously it has the old phones and stuff too, but I just kind of stopped thinking about it. You know, just, just when you're watching a Breaking Bad related show, you just, you just expect old phones. But, uh, yeah, that really threw me for a loop, though. I was just seeing, seeing a, like a, a, you know, and it wasn't just a video store; it was a blockbuster too. So, no, that's that was um, a big hit. <laughs> and so, and and I guess you know, uh, you know, speaking of out of time, which is a, uh, uh, you know, about time travel. Uh, yeah. Our, our next topic is uh, time travel and RPGs. Um, 
which I wanted to discuss because I was I've been running a, um, a time travel scenario over the weekend, and I and I, I mean I somehow I, I I ended up doing three sessions with the same scenario, um, and it gave me an opportunity to like you know sort of explore some different possibilities with time travel and uh, yeah. and the players were you know proposing things that I didn't anticipate, and so I just thought it might be an interesting <laughs> topic uh, for a conversation. Um, I agree. I agree. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess doing the same time travel scenario three times in a row would, uh, would be, <laughs> would be illuminating. But, well, it was uh, interesting seeing the different, the different reactions that players had, uh, to the same thing. And also I would, as adjusting things. So like, you know, there was a crucial NPC and in the first incarnation, when I, when I ran the session, the NPC was very aloof and kind of you know a little bit mean to the party and and just trying to get them to do what he wanted them to do by by brute force um yeah and and in i softened him in each you know in each session to the point that you know he became a much different character by the end um and, hmm. and be and, and was much more successful and the adventure was much more successful as a result um but uh but but also just the things that the players were doing um were 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 wildly different once players realize they're in the past and 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 once they realize the things they do can change not only the future but potentially themselves then yeah know, it, 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 they start prodding around and 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 seeing what they can do um <laughs> and you need mechanisms for dealing with those kinds of things or you at least need an, maybe if not mechanisms uh uh an established orderly way of, of 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 walking your brain through uh you know what happens when the players kill their grandfather or what happens when they uh when they when they plant an object somewhere so that they can get it a thousand years from now um yeah so. yeah it's it's uh i mean it, it's one of those things where you know games have you know been trying to play with that idea for a long time now i think the uh the first, the first time travel related game I played was was well the expansion for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was transdimensional Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and uh, it, it it basically had time kind of arranged in a spiral, and you could tunnel up and down in the spiral. So it's like you know you could go go back to like a certain point, but you couldn't. You couldn't go back to the same point again because you're kind of looping around the spiral. And okay. <laughs> so it's like you could go back to like, you know, 1406. But then you couldn't go back to the same day on 1406 because you've moved along the spiral. Now you're going back to the next day in 1406. And uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was one way to like have some degree of control for the players getting too crazy doing too many time travel tricks and feng shui was a lot like that too i feel like feng shui robin laws probably played some uh teenage mutant ninja turtles maybe or or i don't know maybe he just hit on a similar idea with his gates yeah i i, I took a much simpler approach which was um which movie franchise am i am i gonna go with like which which movie franchise <laughs> time travel logic and I that's kinda, a good way to do it i, I tried to kind of allow for back to the future and bill and ted to both sort of be the the you know, the, the 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 go-to uh the go-to examples because i felt like there were a lot of things in there that were really gameable um yeah. and so uh so something that came up you know one of the parties decided hey i know you know and this is clearly taken right out of bill and ted uh you know we're going to um we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, when this is all done, we're going to come back to this point in time with our, our, because they have, they have a, they have a special device in the adventure that allows them to time travel. It's a little bit wonky, but they, you know, they can, they, what they proposed was not crazy. And, and we're going to tell ourselves what we need to do to resolve the, the situation. And, yeah. and so then I was like, huh, how do you, you know, okay, what, you know, as a GM, what am I supposed to do? So what I, so, so I forget what I did in that instance, but what I, but, but what I decided for all future instances was uh, anytime the players decide to do that, I would have a table that I would roll on. And the table would be uh, different potential future selves coming back to tell them about things. And sometimes the table might reflect 
what's potentially really going to happen and it would be useful information and yeah. sometimes it might be like an alternate version of themselves from another timeline that 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 is giving advice that doesn't make any sense for them to follow <laughs> um, you know and there might be some clue you know, you know, the table might say like, you know, the characters have slightly different hair or something's different about them. Um, you know, you know, there might be one where they, they come out like one of them is missing an arm and says, you know, watch out for the fox demon or, or you know, you know, it just all, you know. Uh, so so a combination of sort of like basically what the players wanted, like a glimpse of what's to come and how to handle it or at least a warning about something to watch out for. Uh, but also maybe a, a red herring or two thrown into the table to kind of mix it up a little bit. And, uh, and so that's yeah. what I went with. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, so how did that play out? Did um, you actually get any useful I, no, information? No, now I'm going to, now I have to, so, so that was from my last session. Uh, and, and, and it just came up as an idea at the end of that session. Oh, okay. And so you I haven't tested up, this. So yet. now I have to test it and see how it plays out. And I'll probably get a chance to test it um, this Sunday. Uh, so, okay so well, you'll so, have to keep us informed yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but again, but i think um but it was interesting I, I and i think i think the big thing is whatever what i what i found with running at least this scenario and i did it the time travel scenario um that was much more narrow and specific um where you could time travel to like this one specific place in time and this what around a particular event um you know, and I did that about I don't know maybe like eight months ago or something. But but what I, what I found with the with, is whatever method or system you have in place for managing the 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 sort of flow of time in history, you really do still have to be open to the players are going to try something that might not fit that procedure. You know what I mean? And you have to be able to adjust accordingly i think that's the that's really the key thing that i've been i mean these these tools are all great they can be really helpful and i and i devised a bunch of tools to to help myself so that i have you know when the players when the players kill somebody there's an altered uh timeline of history table that they can roll on and so anytime you kill somebody anytime you save somebody it sort of triggers a potential butterfly effect in the, yeah. in the setting and and so that can result in uh you know them changing future history or them themselves changing um but you also are going to have these things you know you're going to have moments like that where they kill somebody and you have no idea what effect it's going to have and rolling on that table makes sense but there are going to be other times where you know exactly what's going to happen if they kill somebody or they do something and they might end up in a marty mcfly type situation where do you know what i mean where you know yeah. so that's where i think it can get interesting for play um they do something you know so so maybe they do something and they trigger uh it, it affects their own timeline and and things about them start changing or vanishing or you know they got to fix it basically before before a catastrophe um so i don't know it's, you know uh, but again i think you have to distinguish between this is something where i know that's going to happen and i can sort of as a gm i could just say this is the result versus I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm going to roll on this table. And it might trigger something like that, but more likely it's going to trigger some minor thing. Um, that That's sort of how I've been approaching it. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on the flexibility. It's good to have those those tools, but you also need to override just, well, this is what's going to happen. It's uh, if, you, if you rely on the tools, it just becomes kind of arbitrary. But you, uh, so yeah, you need, you need a mix of those two things. And uh, yeah, I... I uh, I haven't done a whole lot of uh, time travel stuff as a GM. I'd say uh, one of the more, probably the most successful time travel thing I did, I was running the massive Nyarlathotep campaign mm -hmm. for Call of Cthulhu. And none of this is spoilery for that campaign because it's all nothing that's in the book. But uh, it's, uh, um, but uh, basically uh, I was running it using the Savage World system because I wanted to do or it's, it's, it's kind of on the pulpy side of Call of Cthulhu. And I thought I'm going to push the pulpiness all the way up because I'd already run it a few times using uh, the Call of Cthulhu system. So it was a super pulp version of this adventure. And I, uh, you know, the players ended up getting sent back in time to ancient Egypt by, by Nyarlathotep to try and keep them out of his hair. And one of the players had previously 
uh, gotten hold of this scroll that uh, she'd been, like, studying magic from. Like, it was, uh, you know, ancient Egyptian magic. She was an archaeologist, and, you know, she'd been studying. It's basically where they ended up kind of fighting Nefren Ka, the ancient evil pharaoh in Egypt. And they, they teamed up with this temple that was opposing him. And so while she was in the temple, she decided, hey, I'm going to write down everything that's in this scroll and copy it down. She realized this is actually the scroll that I found. So I have to make sure it's here when I find it in the future when we explore this temple later. Mm -hmm. So she kind of created the loop of uh, okay. of, uh, <laughs> of leaving this thing for herself. Well, and that, uh, was, that was another thing I thought of is... Um... Is that exactly like, okay, what if they say we're going to we're going to seek out this magical object or something that we know might exist and then plant it exactly where we need it at, the, yeah. at this crucial moment. And I and with that, I just went with probabilities. I don't know how. Uh... Uh, I just went with it. I mean, mm. like I said, she's like, hey, I must have written this scroll mm. in the first place. So I'm like, yes, you did. Okay. So that was okay. that was that I didn't even have to be a clever GM. It was like she she came up with that up on her own. I was like. Yeah. Okay. That sounds that sounds great. Um, okay. Let's okay. go with that. Yes, that was the plan all along. Ha ha. The, yeah, but uh, I yeah, it just it just looked like brilliant GMing. But uh, <laughs> and but yeah, then they, you know, then then they decided that hey, the you know time doesn't work the same in the dreamlands, so we can use the dreamlands to get back to modern day. So I had to miscalculate, and uh end up in the 1940s where they had not stopped Nyarlathotep and the world was overrun by the great old ones in this post-apocalyptic Cthuloid Manhattan. Okay. And then they had to travel back to the 20s. Well, and I guess, I guess that's everything. sort of like the Doctor Who approach where like, you know, you, you're there, like that's the, uh, you know, if you go back in time and, 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 and change the, you're not really changing the past necessarily. You're, no. You're meant, you were there <laughs> from the very beginning and so, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's totally cool that you're, you're, uh, and so I, I think they can work in this situation. The scenario was such that, you know, the players knew going in that history could be rewritten. So they knew that they weren't necessarily always there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I did find we, I, in both, in all cases, I think we had extensive discussions about time travel after the session and, Every single case, I felt like you had a group of very smart people talking these things through, all largely reaching different conclusions and all getting big giant headaches. Um, <laughs> and and I, I just think that's sort of the nature of, you know, at the for me, I just kind of want a fun romp through time, and I didn't want to have to worry too much about the uh, yeah the 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 details. So that's kind of why I was going more with the movie franchise angle and not really thinking too hard about it either um yeah well we were there was that was kind of definitely the approach for that savage worlds thing i mean you know me having them go too far into the future i'm like well i, I totally ripped that off from the uh the international <laughs> kind of army of darkness but uh well, that's fine that's fine <laughs> i'm like yes they went a, too far a, a, a but, fine. Uh, <laughs> you know what i didn't even i didn't even consider using the evil dead franchise and that's a perfectly valid uh, you know. yeah well, i think she was too with the fact you know in the first one he finds the book you know it's him in the book that you know the the you know in the, in the necronomicon but uh so you know i think i think we were all riffing off that of course we were playing call of cthulhu so our minds were in kind of a well pulpy call of cthulhu yeah. so evil dead was an easy place for our brains to go i still haven't seen the new tv series for that by the way I, I've, I've been wondering if i should start watching it because i did used to like the show yeah, I've seen I've seen a couple episodes of the show, and I liked what I saw. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I I do need to catch up on it though. But okay. uh, yeah, Bruce, if you like Bruce Campbell, there's a, there's a pretty good chance you will like it. Yeah, my my favorite thing with him is Bubba Hotep. That is uh... yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm a huge uh, Joe Lansdale fan. The guy that wrote the book it's based on too. Well, the story it's based on. So, you know, having Bruce Campbell and Joe Lansdale together, it's just, yeah, that's perfect for me. But, um, but yeah, so we've been going on for like 50 minutes. So I think we'll, uh, we were going to get onto some other topics, but I think we, uh, uh, save them for later, save them for later. Though I did want to say, I think given, given the time travel discussion, it occurred to me 
Nick, who participates in our other Doctor Who podcast, uh, he's been running like a Doctor Who campaign for like 25 oh, years. Yeah. Maybe even longer. Maybe it's been like, I don't know, a ridiculous amount of time he's been running this one campaign. So we should make a point of asking him about that next uh, Doctor Who episode <laughs> uh, to, to pick his brain. Because I'm sure yeah. he's got thoughts on uh, on on time travel and, and RPGs. Um, I would think so. <laughs> but uh, but okay, so we will be back on um, this Friday. Is going to be the five venoms, and I think we're going to be doing the bride with white hair in um, I don't know in a couple of weeks, maybe two or three weeks. Um, Wait, the bride with white hair. Oh, I'm sorry, bride with white or? hair too. Bride with white hair. Too. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, and then uh, uh, the the white haired demoness translation. And I know there's going to be some other stuff in the mix too. But uh, again, I, I, I'm coming off four sessions, so my brain is really just pudding at this point. So, all right, we will talk to you later, and uh, I guess we'll we'll be back on on um, on Friday. <laughs>